Matt Young, let's go to our, our most prized tradition of talking to the NFL about about the NFL draft, uh, a draft that is we actually were just saying before we started recording, both of us don't know a ton about it. Um, certainly learn more with our, our research for the episode. But but it's also just I think like I don't even think that's just on us. I think it is kind of viewed as an underwhelming draft and, and not even just in the sense of like there's no quarterbacks at the top. Like even when there's no quarterbacks, I feel like there's still discussion about impressive offensive tackles and, and defensive ends. And it's not that there's not that. It just it just doesn't feel like there's all that much hype around this class. Um, and I think it's a good class, but maybe more of just like nobody. There's not a lot of guys where you're saying, oh, that's that's a superstar right there. Um, so, so it's interesting in, in that case. Yeah, a lot of un unrecognized talent. I think there's so much talent still, like there is in every draft, but I think whoever comes out of this draft is like the best players out of this draft. It's going to be more surprising than the last couple drafts. I just think that it's going to it's gonna be a lot more who falls into a right situation and who gets mentored by the right people that can bring that talent out. Um, but I still think that all the talent in the world is there. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's a little weird. It, it, it is... Because I was thinking, is it just because there's no quarterbacks? But I'm even looking at like the first couple. I think it's also because some of the most of the players that we're talking about in the first round, like they weren't the stars in the championship games. They weren't there. There's like, I think the association. But between, like, but Hutch, it's kind of surprising that Hutch, like the buzz around Hutch, and maybe it's just that the buzz around Hutchinson. I think sometimes with draft things, you're kind of like, oh, not that he didn't have a great year, but it's like, oh, that's a. Because the thing with the draft, too, is there, there's three players you're looking at the top of the draft, right? Like, that, yeah. there's three things they're going to pick. Quarterback, which is what we want the most. Offensive tackle, defensive end, or, you know, outside pass rusher. And so I think maybe with the Hutchinson thing, at the end of the year, it was like, oh, he is on a good team. He, he did have a great year. But it seems like now he hasn't gained any, any like, steam from that. And, and I think that's probably part of it, too, because if he had and it was like, oh, yeah, now he's because even the top is, is like I, I've seen him and he kind of was at the top of the end of the year. Evan Neal has kind of been at the top recently. And now it seems like uh, Ekwanyu from NC State, who I think both those guys are, are terrific, terrific players and are going to be terrific linemen. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it isn't sexy. It isn't. It's not sexy, but sometimes it, it sexy, sexy isn't uh, sexy in the front. Isn't sexy inside. I don't know don't what I'm you. saying. I'm so sorry. Whatever, whatever. Uh. <laughs> I love that. I love. I love that so much. You know, I know it's the time. I love to give you shit when you fumble. That was incredible, and uh, we need. To, that's becoming a slogan. We're gonna figure out a, a way that because oh, yes, I get what you're. I get what you're saying. That. And like, so that, yeah, we're going to use that. All right. There is, you know, there is some sex appeal to this uh, NFL draft. God, sex land. We're talking about how sexy the draft is. I don't Oh, if you don't think both of these episodes are going to have sex in the name, you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. I'll tell you that right now. You have been fooling yourself since day fucking one, if you think that's uh, the case. All right. Yannick, let's talk about the sexiest prospect. Give me a prospect uh, that you are most excited about in this NFL draft. Yeah, well, the sexiest position we all know, no, is is uh, is the safety position. I got Kyle Hamilton as the prospect I'm excited about. I think he's got that energy that like that you kind of feel from like a an all time safety. I'm not saying that he will become that, like we've talked about with the prospects, but he has that kind of mentality, that talent, that energy. At times he reminds me of like a like an established corner like Champ Bailey. At times he reminds me of like an exciting kind of wrecker safety like Troy Polamalu. Like he he just has that energy with him. And at the safety position in college, you don't see that often because safety is a is a, is a hard position to learn. I feel it, it, it. There's a lot that goes into it that it's hard to be. You need a lot of experience to be good at that position. And so when you see a college prospect with that, uh, and, and even in the position's name, it like. You're the safety valve. Your right. ability to to make the impact on the game really isn't hopefully yeah. not all that much. 
Yeah, like some positions, the less you talk about the safety, the better. Like the less you talk, because usually the safety's like missing a double coverage somewhere or or something like that, and it's that's when you're talking about the safety. But I, I really like Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame. I think he did a really good job this last season, and he for me kind of has that talent and energy level that I think could really translate well into the NFL. So he's he's who excites me most out of the prospects that I've been I've been looking around. Yeah, I. I... Couldn't agree more. I think I think if you're talking about any player in this draft that that seems like the most like surefire, at least if we're talking like all pro, I, I think it's Kyle Hamilton. I think maybe the other person you could talk about in that sense is, is Tyler Linderbaum out of the yeah. Hawkeyes. Um, but but you know like we're saying, both of those positions, safety and cornerback, aren't always the most impactful, always aren't the most talked about. But yeah, no, I, I think Kyle Hamilton. And the, the one way that that uh, safety can impact the, the game is is, you know, playing that kind of center fielder position. He's incredible at that. Um, got got lots of interceptions at Notre Dame kind of doing that. And then the guy, you know, 6'4", has speed. And and I think the biggest thing, too, is, as you kind of already touched on, he's just versatile. Like, I, like I think he is the the Micah Parsons. They're, they're completely different players defensively, but but he's the Micah Parsons of this draft to me where, where I think you could bring him up because of his size and really help with the run game. I think that size also will, will help a lot. Uh, defending tight ends. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think he's he's for sure the best prospect. Again, I think Linda Bob's a good one. Sauce Gardner is another guy who I think is going to make a big-time impact at the next level just because that that frame with he has 6'3", 200 pounds, I think will help a lot um, in, in the, you know, passing game. And like I already mentioned with, with Hamilton, being able to, to defend kind of tight ends and, and those bigger wide receivers. So, uh, let's talk about a sleeper, Jan. Give me somebody who's going to be taking maybe second, third round, but you think is, is first-round talent will have first-round sort of impact on their team. Well, he's right. He's right in our home of Iowa, Brees Hall out of Iowa State. I think he's got, got it. Holy shit. We got the you, same answer. Yeah. Oh, my God. Love it. He's got all the makings of one of those pass-catching, back-breaking backs that can really break down a team. I'm looking like an Austin Eckler, who's also not the fastest person in the league or anything like that. And that's the one knock on Brees Hall is that he doesn't have elite speed, but he has the hands. He has the running ability. And I don't think he has to be a blocking running back so much where that's going to be a hit on him either. I think any team would love to have Brees Hall on their on their roster. And I think he's the kind of player that can break out in training camp and really start to establish himself as that first pass catching back, but really kind of be a, he could be a three down back who just is, is one of those reception kings. I really do think so. Yeah, well, and I think I think he's a guy that can to, can impact the passing game, which is what you always need from from running back. But is also a guy who, as as we've moved away from the running game, we've also seen it be used very very effectively because teams are are defending so much for the passing game. Having a good running game can be crucial, as we've seen with the Niners, even the Packers that help their offense a lot. Obviously, Tennessee uh, helps if you have Derrick Henry. But that, that sort of traditional running game, I think, still has a lot of, of value. Um, and I think Brees Hall fits that so perfectly. Like you said, he's just such a tough runner. I think he's a guy that can learn to be a better blocker because he is physical. Um, and, and I think, t- to me, Brees Hall is the kind of guy you get, and, and he's your starter day one. And, and I think we'll, uh, we'll, whoever where, wherever he goes, I think we'll have a big impact in this rookie year. Oh, I, I'm hoping that... I'm hoping that Belichick drafts him. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, that is the kind of player that I want at the Patriots. You want, you want the I Pats want, to get him? I want the Pats to get him. Him and, I and think Damian Harris? Him and Damian Harris. That's, that'd, be a mean, that'd be a mean crew. Him and Damian Harris, let me tell you. They, we love to load up at positions we're already good at. We love to load up at positions we're already well, good dude, at. Well, dude, that's always Belichick. That's why, that's why Belichick running backs are the worst thing ever for fantasy. Because he's like, oh, week seven? Uh, here's Rex Burkhead. Here's Danny Warhead. They're going to go off for two weeks, and then you're never going to hear their name again that entire season. Right. Ramondre Stevenson's going to have 150 yards, and then he's not going to touch a ball for another five weeks. And then gonna be, he'll have 150 gonna yards. Disappear. Yeah, that's what happens. They go into a little hole until Belichick calls them out again. Witness protection. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, no, like, I, I completely agree. I think Brees Hall, and you know, he might be a guy that sneaks into that into the first round but the way we've seen them kind of look at at running backs i'd I'd be surprised if he went first round but but a a guy who i think is gonna should go early second at at the latest um maybe mid but uh yeah i i I think a guy that like we said you you plug in and play immediately 
Yeah, absolutely. And he obviously, like, his last season wasn't what he wanted it to be. But I think there was a lot going on at Iowa State where... And he still killed him. And he still, he still did really well. He just, he still part did of, really part well. of Brees Hall's problem was the year before, he was so, so good. And then the year after, he like just wasn't quite as excellent. And the team had just, they, you know, didn't meet expectations. And so I think that hurt him a lot. Yeah, I mean, comparison is the bane of any 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 players. And when you play so well and you can't match up, it happens. So, I, But I agree, Brees Hall's got all that talent. All that talent. It can be your own worst enemy. All right, Jan. One bold draft prediction. I'll go first. I'm going to say four quarterbacks do end up going in the first round. Uh, I think it'll be uh, Willis from Liberty. I think it'll be Pickett from from Pitt. I think it'll be. I think Matt Corral will go in the first round. And 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 one more. I, I don't know who the last fourth will be, but I just the way they fall in love with quarterbacks in in this league. I, it. Four almost. I'm not even sure that's a bold prediction, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I I just with all the quarterbacks that should be available right in the offseason, I just don't know. I just don't know why they would draft so many. But I agree, it feels like that they they are going to at least the way that they're talking about it, um, and and also because it's not like the other positions are so much better than the quarterback positions where it, it doesn't make sense to take the quarterback. Right? If you had a crazy receiver class, then I'd be like, okay, so. You, you're going to pick the receivers over the quarterbacks this year, fine. But that's not the case this year. So, uh, yeah, there's no, there's really no position class that feels like incredibly deep. You know, no. Like I think that yeah. I think there's great prospects on each time, like end, and certainly some elite guys. But like, yeah, there's not numerous guys in really any position that you're like, oh yeah, that's going to be like we're going to see a bunch. We're going to see even like offensive linemen or, or anything. Like we're not we're going to see a bunch of them off the board early. Like I don't or tackles. I guess linemen in general maybe, but. Yeah, no, agreed. Uh, I got like a bold draft position. I I went with an interesting one, a very specific one. I think that teams more and more are going to look for that home run tight end. I really do think that they'll do that because tight ends are starting to become such a game changer. And one tight end that's getting a lot of second round looks, maybe third round, but mostly second round, is a Colorado State tight end of the name Trey McBride. Uh, And and people are really looking at him at like as a guy who could be a game changer, who could be that tight end for you that that adds offense. So I'm looking at, I could see the Patriots, I could see the Cowboys, I could see a lot of teams that are, that are, are, are you know, a good offensive player away still from being like, from being where they want to be. And I see one of them taking a, I see one of them taking a first round pick. I see him getting picked top 20. I'm going to say Trey McBride gets picked um, because I think people are valuing that tight end position after seeing what, what these tight ends can do in the game. And I think Trey McBride is one of them. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's a guy we, we've got to see uh, play against the Hawks. We kept him in check for the most part, but, you know, six catches, 59 yards, not like he had a poor game by any means. And, and you could tell even in that game uh, the the ability he had. I mean, sometimes, like, I mean, the Hawks also went up against Josh Allen and, and shut him down. When, when you don't have a bunch of other help around you, it's tough when you're overmatched. Uh, but, yeah, now a guy who I think, think is is certainly going to be a great pro and, and like you said the tight end position has just become so impactful yeah it, it's people are, people want that tight end they want they want to find the next kelsey they want to find the next george kittle i actually think george kittle is a great pro comparison to trey mcbride because he's not the red zone threat that i think kelsey is but he he he's he's that tight end security valve that any of these young quarterbacks that are now taking over the league could could really use so I, I I think that he's a great he's gonna be a great option for whoever he lands at. Yeah, I, I mean I like like you're saying six four. It's not like he's massive when it comes to tight end uh, size. So one of the, one of those guys who's who's it's almost like you're a tight end, but you're basically a wide like a dude who's probably gonna be lined up outside, not not on his you know next to the lineman. Um, and yeah, who I think will have a big time impact. Draft should be a good one, Jan. It's still a while away. We will, of course, touch on it again. Uh, and I'm sure as I'm sure in the lead up, you know, some of these prospects will will gain steam as they always do. And, and we'll see who ends up going number one. Uh, feels like it's going to be one of the tackles right now. But the narrative around the draft changes a lot. Uh, and, and certainly right now, Combine, we'll, we'll start doing that. Jan, let's get to it. Let's get to the meat and the gravy and, and all the goodness that is college basketball. It's March. I love it. I got Arkansas LSU is on my TV right now. This game was played yesterday, maybe two days ago. 
And I don't even care. I just want fast food. <laughs> 19, 1991 National Championship, Duke versus Kansas. You know who wins this game, Yannick? Duke versus Kansas. 19, what's the year? 1991. Kansas, right? Nope. Ah, oh, dang. Dang, dang. The Duke Blue Devils. The Duke Blue Devils. That's Christian bad. Christian Leitner, the young Coach K. Oh my gosh, Chris Leitner. Talking oh. about Coach K. Uh, I believe the first. Leitner. Yeah, it was that was their first. That was Duke's first title. Um, Coach K's first title, and then a, they won uh, the year after as well. Won back to back. First team that had done that since like, well, Florida. Florida broke that curse. All right, let's talk about actual basketball, not basketball from 1991. Uh, this past weekend, Jan, seven top ten teams losing on Saturday. Number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, number six. First time that the top five, let alone the top six, all lost in the same day. What do you think this says about what we should expect from the NCAA tournament, Jan? Yeah, I mean – I didn't. I don't know about you, but I looked at this Saturday, and I was it a crazy coincidence? Sure, but I didn't see anything for me that changed how I felt about any of the top teams. Um, I think for the most part, they just didn't have their best day. I think Gonzaga was the one that surprised me the most because they looked like they had kind of righted the ship, and to lose that rivalry game, I think, is going to hurt their ego a little bit. But you know, I, I do think for the most part. All of these teams are are great. So what I don't what I think this says about the NCAA tournament, right, is that this isn't going to be a tournament of unlikely upsets where you have the stars and and just some of them get upset. It's going to be a tournament where favorites are for the most part non-existent. Like all the favorites that we've been talking about, the Purdue's, the Auburns, they've all shown lots of weaknesses down the stretch. And especially on that Saturday as well. And I think what that means is like, yeah, we're going to have our number one seeds. And of course, we're going to expect them to win over an Iona or something like that. I'm not saying it's that close. But I think that uh, everyone can get upset. And I don't think that you should be surprised about upsets. I think that all the teams going into this tournament have weaknesses to exploit. And I think that all of them have strengths to to strengthen. So I just think that this is going to be a tournament where favorites... Don't bet on the favorites. Don't bet on the favorites because they're not they're not existent. Bet on bet on what's going on in front of you, and that's that's all you can do. Yeah, well, I think it's a fair point, and I, and I think that is even like you said has less to do about Saturday because like Saturday it's it, you think they lose, but like almost all I think all of them were on the road. Um, t- Tennessee and, and Arkansas were favorites at, at home. Uh, of course, Kansas lost to Baylor, who was a top 10 team. So, like, you really – you hear seven top teams like, oh, my God, what a bloodbath. Really – and, yeah, the Gonzaga one was was su- surprising, um, kind of more of just like how poor Chet and, and Timmy looked, but I don't think they're ever going to have a game like that again. And sometimes a loss like this is – is you need it. Um, they hadn't lost in a long, long time. Um, and as we saw from, from last year, sometimes, you know – Although I don't, I, I don't think that's the reason they lost to Baylor. But uh, yeah, sometimes sometimes a loss can can you know get your mind right. And St. Mary's is a really good team, tough place to play. Arizona was kind of a surprising one just because Colorado of all the teams that upset the top ten teams, I think Colorado is the only one that's not going to be in the tournament. Um, TCU now, especially with that win over KU, is going to be there. Um, so that's another thing. But yeah, I, I think you're right. Where like last year, Gonzaga and and Baylor felt pretty obviously better than everyone else. I don't think there's that much of, of, of a, of a leap. Um, I would say like maybe the top team to the 20th team. Yeah. There's a decent gap, but like one to four, isn't that much of a gap and three to seven, isn't that much of a gap and five to 11 isn't like, so in that sense, I think that it is going to be a, a crapshoot. I think, I don't think we're going to see like an 11 or a 10 really. Um, but I think I, it, it's not going to be all ones and twos in the final four by, by any means. And I think there's a very good chance we'll see some ones maybe out before the Sweet 16, at least by the, by the Elite Eight. Um, and, and there will be, there will be some seed-wise surprising upsets. Right. I agree. I mean, look at the Hawkeyes, right? Where are they ranked now? 24? 
I believe. Yeah. 20, 24. 24. If last season, even with Garza, you had told me we were going up against a top a top seed, I don't think I would have given us a chance against any of them. Um, but like this year, I do a little bit, and we're yeah. and I I do so. I think Absolutely. It's, I think it is going to be an interesting race, and I agree. I I I would not be shocked if there was no top seeds in the final four, and and I'm not saying. You know that we don't see a two or three, but number one seeds. This is a year to be to be scared. That doesn't yeah. mean anything this year, so it's going to be interesting. Well, we're going to talk about this later, but let's just bring it up now because I think this would be a good a good time to even talk about how we feel about the number one seeds. Prediction for the number one seeds right now. I, I'm going to go Gonzaga, Arizona, Baylor, and Duke. I think Duke's going to win out, and I think the Kansas loss is is just going to give Duke the ability to sneak in. So those are my four number one seeds. Who, who do you have for Dick yeah, Nets right now? I have all but uh, one of those the same. I have Gonzaga, Arizona, Baylor, and I have Auburn. I think Auburn is 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 gonna have that late run. So, but it could very well be Duke. Kansas could obviously have a rubber match and, and all, beat and up all, Baylor. All, I think all three of those teams. I think I think if all three, if, if Auburn, Duke, and and even KU went out, because I think Baylor seems pretty safe to me now i think that last um, win made them safe yeah yeah and then ku losing to tcu helped give baylor just a little bit more of a of a, an edge over them so i think baylor seems safe but i think if kansas duke and auburn all went out i do think auburn like to your point is the safest one to win that that number one seed um so, so it'll kind of depend on how they how all they all, i mean this happens a lot it depends on, on the conference tournament um, things, but as far as it's in your uh, like, it's, you it's in your power to get the number one seed. I think Auburn is the only like. I think in my prediction of Duke to do it, I'm imagining Kansas and uh, Auburn don't win their conference tournaments because I think Duke needs them to lose to have that happen. So I think Auburn is in the better position to get that last number one seed. Right, but definitely up to your point, Kansas definitely could lose Big 12, and Auburn could lose the SEC. The SEC, there's only one conference that's crazier than it, and we'll talk about it, but like, I, I think the SEC is very wide open right now, so I think that that absolutely could happen. So I think Duke could definitely sneak in there. Yeah, it's they, that, that last one feels... Gonzaga, Arizona, I, I think there's almost no way, kind of the same way with Baylor, but, but the reason I had us bring it up is because you talk about all those number one seeds... Yeah, it, like if, if all four of those teams, if, if Gonzaga, hell, let's let's stretch it to six. If Gonzaga, Arizona, Baylor, Duke, Kansas, and Auburn, if all six of them aren't in the final four, I'm not going to be shocked. Yeah, it would be surprising, but shocking. Would I be like the biggest shock of all time? Where in other years it would be? No, it's it wouldn't be. You're 100 percent right, and and there could still be great teams like there could still be fantastic teams without any of those teams and we've seen that over the season and we'll continue to see it i think in the tournament well i mean because here's the thing too i'm not saying it's going to be iowa and wyoming and you know all that but out of those six teams i listed i didn't say kentucky i didn't say purdue i didn't say wisconsin so it's like i don't think it's a sense of like it's going to be wild just as much as like you were saying it, that that top top line doesn't feel as as impenetrable as it does sometimes. Oh, I got a delivery. Nice, nice delivering some basketball to your to your house. <laughs> I wonder what it is. I don't. I didn't order anything. Oh man, I hope we. I hope it's something nice. Um, no, I agree. Nothing because for me. If if it's ring me, that's not mine. <laughs> if you have an elite eight, right, and you talk Purdue, Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee. Do uh you talk uh you Texas throw an Tech. Iowa yeah you, yeah exactly Texas yeah, Tech or, yeah or yeah or then you do like elite eight you you do throw a, a higher you know a seven seed in there yeah and, and and all of those teams I would look at that elite eight and be like yeah that's 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 a really ferocious elite eight still so I think you're right that that top line looks a lot less impenetrable than in the past when sometimes those number one seeds go into the Sweet Sixteen and you're still like yeah there unless something crazy happens there's really no way um, yeah. So, yeah, especially compared to last year. I mean, last year we predicted the final before it happened. This year, I, I don't want to do that. I don't know. No. I have no idea. I have zero idea. Like, Gonzaga and Arizona, like, I, you could probably say Gonzaga and Arizona have been 
somewhat comparably dominant as Gonzaga and Baylor were last year. And uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to be like, yeah, for sure. Gonzaga, Arizona. And right. I certainly wasn't like that last year about Baylor and Gonzaga. Right. No, for sure. I mean, Arizona, I, Arizona's going to get upset early. I can't wait to make that pick, but like Arizona, they, I they're... can't decide what I'm going to do with Arizona. Every time I watch, cause I keep thinking, I'm like, I don't know. First year head coach, you guys, have been... every time I watch them, they are freaking good. They are good. Everything. Like they do everything. And that, and that's the part of like, every time I watch them, I get convinced. Cause I'm like, you're not just relying on like what, like you're good on offense. You're good on defense. You've got some depth. I, they're slowly making me, a, cause I, we'll see what happens. We'll see who they get matched up with. Yeah. I, I haven't believed in Arizona since like, what was it? Four or five years ago where they had the best team and couldn't hack it. Like, it's the same thing with Virginia. I'll never believe in any of those teams again until they show me otherwise. Obviously, Virginia won it that one year. But uh, but before that, I also was like, yeah, Virginia's that defensive team that looks really good. And then they, they can't get the offense going. Can't in the score. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be really interesting. And if you're listening to this and want to put a lot of money on a winner, don't. Don't do that. <laughs> no. or, or, if you do, or if you do, like I think it's like more of like, no, go with one of those teams that's like not in the top ten of the like go with a, a team that's would be more of a surprise and who's got you know the fifteenth best odds because I think they have as maybe as good of a shot as the team with the best odds. Like if this is the time where those bets where you're like, all right, yeah, I'll take that value of. I mean, like I'd love to see what I, do I think Tennessee is going to win it all? No, but I God, I bet they got some pretty good betting value to be national champions, and and I think they have a shot. I mean, I'm I'm gonna say this right now. Johnny Davis is going to the Final Four. Johnny Davis is going to the Final Four. I'll say that right now. Johnny Davis I, is going dude, to the Final Four. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I think Wisconsin is. They're always deadly in March, and this team in particular, I think, is really deadly. You want to know my belief in in Wisconsin, Jan? I put a huh. random. I put a random three dollar bet that could win me three hundred dollars. If I mean, I mean, Juventus. Atletico and uh, God, someone else. Someone else, I think, to finish top four. I need Liverpool to finish top two. <laughs> I need the Suns to win the NBA championship, so that's a tough one. And then I, I bet Wisconsin to win the Big Ten conference. because wow. and, and this was a while ago because they, they they just do this. And like every, especially every few years, they get a team that's like just tough to beat. And, and they don't look like when you look at them and when you watch Wisconsin, there's no part of me that I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm buying into them. But they get it done. Yeah, they do get it done. And and they have a star, which is which is something that they haven't always had in those teams. They have a bona fide star. So the last, the last time you would say they'd have a, a star like this, they went to the final four. Yeah. 100 percent with Kaminsky. with Kaminsky. Yeah. 100 percent. 100 percent. So I'm excited about Wisconsin for sure. But yeah, I mean. The top four seeds, you know, there's only so much movement that can happen. Uh, but I think it's definitely between those six. Uh, Kansas and Duke and Auburn are going to be the three that we'll see. I think Baylor's safe. I feel like that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe Kentucky. Maybe Kentucky sneaks in. I don't know. It's, it'll be fun to see. Uh, and, and I cannot wait for the tournament. We'll see who all gets these seeds because of the conference tournaments. Yeah, let's start actually with the major conference tournaments. Which major conference tournament are you most excited about oh the big 10 baby for sure for sure especially since purdue's been on this streak of not playing well now i feel like there isn't a top i mean wisconsin's the top team in the in the big 10 i think you have to say right now but purdue isn't still that far behind. like we're saying with wisconsin wisconsin always still feels beatable right a hundred percent and so if purdue ran through and like reclaimed that that idea of how good they are in our minds i wouldn't be surprised but like Purdue's been on a streak of losses, and they turned their luck around. Wisconsin's the best, but are they? Where does OSU end up? Where does Iowa end up? Can Keegan Murray kind of make a name for himself in this conference tournament and go into it, you know, put it in, increasing his stock? Where does Rutgers, Illinois, Michigan State, Michigan, Illinois. all of those teams can yeah. cause... I mean, we're not even talking about Illinois, but they could very much win the Big Ten Championship. They could. Um, for sure. So I think that there's so much that can happen... And every game is going to be a bloodbath in this one. I really do. I mean, we even saw Northwestern causing some problems. We saw Penn State causing some problems. Indiana can still cause problems. Maryland can For still sure. cause problems. I mean, every team, 
team. There's like one team that doesn't. And, and well, it's always fun. It's always fun too for these guys because like because we're talking. Yeah, just went into Columbus. Uh, and honestly, I mean, like Hoiberg, he those guys are still playing hard for Freddie. Uh, and, and and like that's always the, the thing with the conference tournament too is like you look at the bottom of the tournament and yeah, like these guys are like let's go get ourselves some pride. You look at the the middle kind of seeds teams like Indiana, team like Rutgers, Michigan. They're fighting for their like seat. Like I mean, they'll probably go to the NIT, but they're fighting for their NCAA lives at, at least. And then you know you look at the rest of the teams, the Big Ten. We're all fi- like the Hawkeyes have a chance to to really rise in the seed wise. You look at Ohio State; they're kind of slipping. They need to to stable themselves, and and so everyone has so much at stake that every game like means so much. And you know, like it, it's not gonna whoever the top four seeds are, it's not gonna be the top four seeds in the semifinals. No, yeah, for sure, for sure, and I I agree. I think Iowa is gonna be a big. Iowa for me is going to be the most interesting to watch in the tournament, Not, and I know that we say that because we're Iowans, so that I'm I'm putting that out they, of the window. But they but are an interesting team. like they're yeah, like they're they're pretty hot. And now too, like the win, I know the win at Ohio State doesn't look as nice, but it's still it's still a good win. Like Nebraska winning there doesn't take anything away. And we and here's the thing too: Hawks have won what I think six out of seven. Yeah, maybe maybe seven of eight. Every single win by double digits. So, like, you can also say, ah, oh, they haven't really played anyone, but we're taking, we're handling everyone. Like, it's not just winning. Like, they are winning handily. I like, yeah, I think as an unbiased fan, you have to stay there exciting, like, to see what they're. Tonight's gonna be a big one. If they can go into Michigan and get a W, like, then you're really talking about this team, like, making some noise because I don't think they have to win. Like Sunday, they play in Illinois. That I think you expect to be a loss. If you go in there and win, then you're really, really talking. But I think this, if tonight they can go into win in Michigan, a team they lost to already, and get the win, then I do think you're like, all right, this team, sleeper sweet 16 pick. Right. And on the flip side, if they lose out and then like get eliminated earlier in the tournament, you start to question. You start to question this team because they're they're not impenetrable whatsoever. They have a lot of weaknesses. And if they go into the tournament on a weak streak, which they'll make the tournament regardless, but like I, I do think that uh, we've seen think, we've seen the Hawks stumble in the tournament before, and it's not always a pretty showing. It's not never a pretty showing when the Hawks stumble. It's always a it's always a, a slip and fall rather than a graceful sit down. That's for sure. That's that's accurate. All yeah. right. Well, I I, I had a, a bit of a, a cheating one, I guess maybe, but I I picked the Big East. But kind of because this one felt the most wide open to me. Um, yeah. I do like I do think the Big Ten's wide open. Like I mean, they're all wide open. But they, the SEC, the Big Ten, the the Big Twelve, all look to me like a battle of a couple teams. Like I, I, I would be surprised if it wasn't one of those teams. And yeah, it'd probably be surprising really if it's just not Villanova. But I don't think Villanova is all that much better than everybody. I mean, Providence is the one seed. This this tournament to me just feels like the most why like it, Marquette could go win this Creighton could go win this and I and I wouldn't be shocked I, I think this is going to be one where you're going to see a lot of upsets and now that I said that it's probably going to go all shock oh man I mean Marquette's going to win I I don't know why that seems like so open to you it's very obvious to me, <laughs> it's clear it's clear that the Marquette Golden Eagles are are headed to Headed to a Big East title. No, but I agree. It's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. I mean, we have a pick this weekend, but both of those teams, Creighton and Seton Hall, you know, could definitely win. Like I think both of those teams have what they have the players to make a run. I'm not saying that they're the favorites by any means, but but it is Well, just the way like like Nova's like like yeah, it would be kind of surprising Nova doesn't win. But like if Providence loses the 8-9 seed game, no one's going to be shocked. Providence goes down 20 every game and then somehow claws back. And, win. like, eventually that's going to catch up to you, Providence. Yeah, but also Providence is Wisconsin. I'm picking them in any upset game in the tournament because they're both like, let's just have a comeback for, for fun. Their, stats, comeback their for... stats on both their to those teams' stats for, like, games within how many points, are it's something absurd. Like, both of them have – I think they're the top two teams – with like games within like five points, it might even be closer than that. It's it's something crazy. Yeah, Wisconsin has like twenty games this season within five, and like they're like something and one. <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense. Uh, no, but it, I think that's a great pick, and I think 
I think I'm also biased. I want to see Iowa in the Big Ten. You know, I want to see Iowa in the Big Ten. I'd love to. It's it's been a few years. Six, uh-huh. Sixteen to be exact. All right, Jan. We went major conferences. Give me a mid-major conference tournament that you were excited about watching. Oh, give me that Missouri Valley Conference. Give me that. Hell MVC. yeah. Top-seeded Northern Iowa, who only Let's got go. the top seed with a last-minute win over, we talked about the disappointing Ramblers, Loyola Chicago. Uh, you know, there's some other great teams in that conference. Missouri State has Isaiah Mo- Mosley. Not Mobley, Mosley. Uh and I, I just wrote this stat down when I was looking at him uh, because I thought this is, this is the kind of stat that I'm like, why are we keeping these stats? So let me finish this all. He is the third player since 1993 to shoot better than 50% on field goal attempts, better than 40% on three-pointer attempts, better than 90% on free throw attempts, uh, while he's also the, averaging 20 points a game. Yeah. Nice. 50-40-90 club at 20 a game. Yeah, 50-40-90 club at 20 a game. And I just thought, oh, wow, that's so many things to have to happen in order to the get shooting. that stat. That's ridiculous. But, yeah, Triple so brown. Missouri State could definitely uh, cause some problems. And then you got the Drake Bulldogs in there that are also a threat. I oh, think yeah, they baby. are. And, of course, Loyola Chicago could very well just destroy the MVC and like be like, everything's fine, guys, don't worry. But... You know that's a big if. So I think the MVC is going to be really fun to watch, um, and I and I hope Northern Iowa can pull it out. Man, me too. I well, or Drake. I, I want one of the Iowa teams to pull it out because the last few years too, like one of them will have like a really good season, and then the other one has upset them in the Missouri Valley tournament. And I think like last, I think it happened last year. Drake still got in with the uh, in the last four. They barely made it in, but they made it in. You got that nice win over USC. Or no, not USC. I lost USC. I can't remember who they beat now. Um, and then, the, like, the year before, you and I had a great year. You and I was supposed to be, like, was a favor for the Missouri Valley. Obviously, they won the regular season. They started the year horrible, but they've turned it around. Arch Madness, always, always, always fun. Um, Arch Madness! And, yeah, we hope anytime, anytime we got a, an Iowa team – because, yeah, the, I mean, the Hawks are going to the tournament. Iowa State's going to the tournament. They've made their fans worry a little bit, but they'll be there. Uh, so it'd be nice to get a, a third Iowa team in the tourney to watch. I'm going to give a little shout-out to the Mountain West. routinely okay. one of the better mid-majors. Uh, hasn't had quite the same depth the last few years, but this year it's, it's really, really strong. you got Wyoming, Colorado State, Boise State, all over 20 wins. San Diego State almost there as well could join that club. All four of them, at least right now, predicted – to uh to make the tournament I don't, I don't think any of them are really higher than like a seven seed um but all those teams can can ball that's like that's a team we're talking about when sweet 16 elite eight comes around one of those guys could still be standing after knocking out a ma- major conference team I, I think the i think the mountain west has has a lot of firepower it'll be interesting to see who who wins uh a, another conference tournament where like you know there's at the top you know some really 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 strong teams yeah agreed i mean yeah, I love Colorado State. I think they're a really, really good team. So I think that they could definitely upset some people. And uh, we have we have given a lot of Colorado State love this. Uh, we have. I upset. just realized that. I was like, wait, I, I gave some football love to Colorado State. We're here for you. We got you, yeah. man. For all Fort you Colorado State. Fort Collins, baby. Fort Collins. Um, no, but I agree. Mountain West is going to be one to watch, and I definitely think that one of them could sneak into the Elite Eight, even you know, and have a have a good win, depending on their road, obviously. But but yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a testament that they have four teams that are that we, we expect to be there or at least like get in. Yeah, um, four teams, like four teams you expect to get in and, and all all give a good fight for sure. All right, Jan, quick question. So for the NCAA tournament, the automatic bid goes to the winner of the conference tournament, the conference tournaments that we've been chatting about for the last several minutes, however long it's been. I didn't time it. There's a timer right there. Didn't check. Anyway, do you think that the automatic bid for the tournament should go to the conference tournament winner, as it currently does, or should it go to the team that wins the regular season? Yeah, I think the regular season, right? Because that's the team that you need in the tournament, because anybody can get an upset in a one-game one conference tournament out, outside. And, and I mean, the, the thing is, the problem is, right, uh, the number whoever finishes top in the regular season is probably safe for the conference tournament anyway. So it does 
say like, okay, so if someone has a Cinderella one, they deserve to be in the tournament. Oh man, I'm kind of switching on my head now. I, mm, nah, I'm, well, I'm still going to Because you got to think about like, if you're the number one seed in the Big Ten, you're fine. If you're the number one seed in the Mountain West, you're probably fine. If you're the number one seed in the Missouri Valley, you're not fine. Right. And I'm not, and I'm not even saying like you and I deserves it, but like all the time, but like, like Murray State, I think didn't lose this year in their like they dominated their conference. They're easily the best team in their conference. They deserve to go to the tournament. Like it should go to the regular season champion. The problem is, then it becomes somewhat meaningless. Right. That's, um, that's exactly what and, I meant. And like, now. and then it's just like, here's here's your tournament trophy. Have it. Like I guess you could be like you get an automatic bid to the NIT. Or whatever, but like that's who gives a shit. Like honestly, like the NIT is a fine tournament, but like that's such a especially especially you say this are like the bars aren't even set of you go to the NCAA to change it now to be like, well, have a the Europa League, Champions League's too too good for you. So it's it should go to the regular season champion. I I don't think they should change it though. Right. I mean, I I think the only way to change it without being weird would be like. Okay, give it to the regular season and then make sure that it's understood that a conference tournament win significantly bolsters. I mean, like, can really put you from out of the picture to into the last four. Like, really, really, like, is the biggest thing they look at. Then maybe. Um, but I agree. But even, but even then, it would but be even so, then. because, like, because yeah. they wouldn't, they'd be like, the Mid-Atlantic champions are, that's not as impressive. Like, it just, and it isn't. Like, they're right. Yeah. Yeah, I think the way it is isn't perfect, but I think it works. So don't don't change it. But I agree. Like, what so is the regular much. season for then? It's it, right. I mean, like, I guess you would say, what are you going to not play? And then, but I do think at least so for some of the smaller conferences, and I do think this, especially for the smaller conferences, um, maybe not even in Missouri Valley. The Missouri Valley might be big enough because there are times. I mean, like I said, Drake was at large um, last year, uh, but. For those smaller ones where it's like, yeah, they're the only, only, only way you're making the conference or, or the making NCAA tournament is if you win your conference tournament. Then if you are the number one seed, if you win the regular season, you should host every game. It, it shouldn't be at okay. a neutral site then. Love because that. like you need, you need to be rewarded for doing that and you should be in position to, because otherwise what, and, and some of them do that. And so, but I, but I think it should be a blanket. That's how it should be. There you go. There you go, Matt. Helps it a little, right? Yeah, it does. It does. And I think they do deserve a, a more significant handicap considering the what they're, what's at stake for them, even with the good season. I, I do agree with that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting conversation. And I, and I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't know that there's a solution. I think it's just the way it is. And that's, I think that's what you have to deal with, honestly. It's one of those just imperfections in sports that you're just like, all right. Like, yeah, 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 I, it's exactly that. And that's part of the beauty of sports. Every, not everything's fair. That's True. Just the way that it is. And sometimes you hate it and sometimes you love it. Germany, Refer- 2010, referees. Germany, 2010 against England. The ball was over the line. But was there ball. VAR? No, there was not. So I'll take it. <laughs> ball, that ball was so over the line. It was ridiculous. <laughs> they would have still gotten stomped. Yeah, I, I, you yeah, guys would have beaten them down. I think so. That England it, team didn't have it. It would have changed the game for sure. for sure. All right, Jan, let's go. Let's pick some games. We're picking six games this week. It's a big time one for the last regular season week. Uh, like I said, we are tied now at twelve and eight. I went three and two last week, so I don't even have that much of a banner week. But you went one and four. Mm. The the bloodbath that was Saturday. So both of us be like, I don't think Saturday was all that shocking as we picked none of the games right but now we're all even so that's that's mostly just what we wanted to have happen uh let's start picking let's start let's start the big east let's go seton hall creighton where are you going in this game oh man i don't know (coughs) um i think i'm gonna go seton hall i think they've they've been good this season they got those two wins over xavier and and in in their losses over uconn and villanova they were still pretty close even though you can say creighton got that win um over uconn but i think roden and aiken are the better duo, so I'm going to go with those two to score 15 apiece and push them over the edge against Creighton. So I'm going to go Seton Hall. 
Love it, love it. Uh, yeah, Seton Hall, I think probably in the tournament. They're, they're close, but I think they're in there. Uh, got a nice win last night. Creighton, I think probably on the outside, maybe in. I think the fact that they're kind of still fighting for their tournament uh, spot and they're going to be at home, I'm going to go with the Jays in Omaha, McDermott, getting them. I, I think this will help them, uh, and they will make the tournament uh, eventually. So I got I got Creighton. So we got one We got one disagreement. We got to make sure I – hope, I hope that we have enough disagreement. Well, I guess that doesn't even matter because we can disagree on enough and still tie record-wise. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Let's move on. Michigan versus Ohio State, the big game, except on the basketball court. Both teams kind of been up and down, uh, particularly recently. I mean, you look at Ohio State, you, you kind of thought they were sliding. Then they got a nice win, and then Nebraska comes into town and loses me some money, those bastards. Uh, but good good for Hoiberg. Uh, I, I, I do think it's tough for me to see the Buckeyes. I know they're not playing all that well, but Michigan's fighting a lot, and it's tough for me to see the Buckeyes lose another one at home after losing to Nebraska and the Hawkeyes there. So I got the Buckeyes winning in Columbus. I also have the Buckeyes. I mean, when you have two inconsistent teams, you got to go with who has the more elite players. And that's clearly Ohio State with EJ Liddell and Bramham. So I think that uh, Ohio State, have they been the best team? No. Are they still going to make the tournament? Probably. And with those two players, I think you can't really ever count them out despite their track record. Um, but and I think against Michigan I, they'll be fine. So I'm gonna go with Ohio State in this one. It'll probably be close because that's the Big Ten right now. But it'll be Ohio State at the end. At the end. Agreed. Agreed. Let's go Big Twelve. Jan Texas at Kansas. The Jayhawks and the Longhorns. Jayhawks still in position to win a Big Twelve conference title. Lisa share with Baylor. Who you got in this game? Yeah, I got Kansas. Obviously they're inconsistent. We talked about Ogbaji not having the impact that he could have on games, but this is at Allen Fieldhouse, and they're still the far better team. So I'm going with the Jayhawks in this one. Completely agree. Playing playing at home, and then I think the fact that they are still playing for that Big 12 championship, if they beat TCU and, and, and win on Saturday uh, against Texas. And also, like, and we, we talked about Baji struggling on the road. Everybody for Texas struggles on the road. So I, I honestly, this might be a game where, like, Kansas wins by 20. I, I, yeah. I think Kansas takes this one easily. I agree, yeah. All right, we'll stay uh, in that sort of area. We'll go a little bit east to Tennessee, Arkansas against Tennessee Razorbacks against the Volunteers, both of them with big, big victories last weekend on Saturday, beating Auburn and Kentucky respectfully. I have picked against the Volunteers almost like every time we've had them. I think the only time I didn't pick against them and was right, they were at home. This team, they haven't lost at home. They don't lose at home. That defense is so, so ferocious, especially at home. And offensively, they they seem to be clicking. Like Tennessee and Arkansas are, both, are two teams that I think have they're, – they're playing their best basketball right now. I, I think they could really, really uh, make some noise in, in the tournament. And, and honestly, the way they're playing and just the way I look at Kentucky, I kind of think Auburn might be like the fourth most dangerous SEC team coming into the tournament. It'll, it, we'll see how the, the SEC championship goes, but I, I, I really love how the Razorbacks in Tennessee are playing. But I will take Rick Barnes and the Volunteers. They've proven me wrong too too much, especially when they play at home. Oh, yeah. I think these teams, they're going to roll. I think both of these teams are going to roll into the tournament. I think they're oh, going to yeah. do some damage. I 100% agree. And I also don't want to pick against Arkansas. Like, it's hard. You don't right? want to pick against either of these teams. But you're right. Tennessee's home record speaks for itself. Arkansas is on the road. You wonder whether J.D. Note can really, like, over outdo the Tennessee defense and maybe he can have, like, a star moment. And if he did, that would really put Arkansas on a different view in my mind. But I don't think it's going to happen in Nashville this Saturday. So I'm going with the volunteers who got me my, my solitary good pick last week. So I got I to gotta give them that credit. Got to stick with them. Got to stick with them. Rick Barnes, such a such an underappreciated coach. Guy, I mean, Texas 100%. for so many years, Tennessee, two football schools, and he's made both of them into consistent winners in their conference and, and NCAA teams and then NCAA like winning game teams. I don't just come there uh, as, a, as a spectator. All right, let's head out west. It's the Battle of L.A. I saw a bunch of USC fans online spewing chatter after their buzzer-beating win over Oregon, a, a team that probably won't even make the tournament. And saying, you know, everyone's out in the Trojans. We just keep winning because they don't play anybody. None of those wins are against anybody. We saw this week. I don't know why I didn't put more money on Arizona. I knew they were going to spank them. They spanked them even more than I thought. 
USC is is one of the most Ill, like just illegitimate twenty win teams I've ever seen. And and I think UCLA UCLA starting to play a little better as well. And and we know that this team when they get hot, uh, they're they're going to have like no matter where UCLA seated at, just the the kind of team they have and the run they had last year, they're going to have a mentality in March that's going to be dangerous. But UCLA, did I say USC was going to be dangerous? I'm at UCLA. Uh, UCLA wins this one. I, another game that I think is going to be an easy win for UCLA. Yeah, I agree. USC got shellacked by Arizona. UCLA, on the other hand, beat them and then had, you know, lost, but it wasn't like a shellacking that they got by Arizona the last time they played. So I'm going with the Bruins to win. Um, helps them in their ranked game um, kind of quadrant situation. So I think that that'll help UCLA as well. And USC, uh, they're the, they just uh, don't, they don't know. They're not good. They're not good, they're not. and they're going to make the tournament. I'm picking them to get upset very early. And I guess, I guess, they, like they're not bad. Like they're not no. bad, but like they're they're just not as good as their record would suggest. Well, and they think they're they're making it seem like they're the kind of team they were last year, and they're not. Evan Mobley is not there. They are not well, the same team. And even that team last year was a six seed. Yeah, like exactly. No, that team like was rolling or anything. So, all right, last game of the week, Jan. We had to pick it. We picked it the first time. We got to pick it this time because it's the last time, the last regular season game for Mike Shashevsky in Cameron Indoor. It's UNC. It's Duke. Who do you got? Oh, you! I can't pick against Mike in his last regular season, possibly last no ever. Chance. No chance. How dare you? How dare no you? Yeah, I'm going with Duke. They'll win this one. I have some. Is North Carolina going to make the tournament? I don't know. They're right on the cusp. I would I love. I would love if Duke could face North Carolina in the tournament one more time, and and really. It can play in the ACC tournament. Yeah, there you go. I would love if it happens in the tournament or in the ACC, and and really happens one more time. But if this is the last time, Duke's gonna make sure they they get it. So I'm gonna go with Duke, and it's not gonna be close. Like it wasn't close the first time. Yeah, no, Duke. Duke is especially just this year. Like Duke is just far the better team, and. They're not. They they're not gonna lose at home on Coach K's last game. I they might start slow. It might be like there might be a little jittery. But 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 mostly I just don't think like if this North Carolina team was even just a little bit better, I'd be like there might be a chance. There might be some apprehension in the players, and, and North Carolina can strike early and and then put the pressure on Duke because if Duke starts trailing, like especially with this young team, they could crumble. But I just don't think North Carolina has the guys to take advantage of, of that possibly occurring. I'm picking Duke, and, and mostly we got to pick this game just to honor who I think is the greatest college basketball coach of all time. My dad's friends and I will debate this forever. They're, they're still wooden guys. I get it. To me, it's Coach K, the things he's done at Duke, the program he's built there. It's been a defining cornerstone of college basketball for, for my entire life, longer than that. I mean, here's what I'm saying. His first championship in 1991. I was born in, in 92. Uh, so... Just, just a guy who's been such an icon, and, and it's this is a tougher time. This is a sad one, and uh, I've, I've had a. There's times I've hated Coach K, but there's he, he's always been there, and so it's going to be tough. It'll be, it'll be weird next year to not have him there, and, and he's done some great things there, and, and certainly a great coach. Yeah, hundred percent, and I'm there with you, man. Coach K is my favorite too. I, I understand the wooden arguments, but. Yeah, maybe it's the era I'm in. Coach, but. K, yeah, Coach K did it in a tougher time, I would argue. You know, like, I, you can always say recency bias, but I, look, it's, it's harder to win the NCAA tournament now than it was back then. It just is. 100%. 100%. For, for, a, for, a, for, like, a myriad of reasons, um, from recruiting to how many games you played and, and, and such and such. So it's, it's a different animal. Uh, obviously, the, the winning streak championship-wise that wouldn't add is – is absurd and still insane. Like I'm, I'm not trying to knock John Wooden by any means. I just think what Coach K's done is, has been extremely impressive. Jan, it is time to cool down. Uh, yeah. I just went and saw The Godfather, my favorite movie. Um, as much as I love Back to the Future, favorite movie's Godfather. Got to see it for the first time. They re-released it, 50th year anniversary. So I saw it in the first time at the big screen. It's freaking awesome. Jan, what is your best, what's your go-to movie theater candy? 
Oh, any kind of version of Sweet Tarts Ropes, those are my favorite candies. Nice. I, Ooh, I get, good call. Yeah, there's always like a four-pack of them. It's at Marcus Coral Ridge in Coralville. They got them at the AMC, too. So uh, I love I, that feed, the Coral Mill feeder I love. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, I can get them anywhere. And so any version of the Sweet Tarts Ropes, it's I just go through those like crazy. Obviously, like popcorn's a classic, and I always do do popcorn, but I, Sweet Tarts Ropes what I look forward to. Yeah, my, my go-to always is like just like small popcorn, large Diet Coke, and then I drink about 50 gallons of Diet Coke. But candy, favorite candy-wise, I go uh, Crunchy Budget, which I feel like too with like uh, something I love about some movie theater candies is like like a lot – like you can find them other places. Like pharmacies have all sorts of candy and shit. But like a lot of them are like – they're not every – like Snickers bars you can find anywhere. Like Crunchy Buncha isn't everywhere. Even I feel like those like the ropes aren't like everywhere. Like, and I think that's the key to a good movie theater candy. It has to be somewhat special with going to the movie theater. Uh, on top of that, a slushy really can hit mm. the spot. Yeah, love a slushy. Love. I don't do it often, but I, when I do it, no, I'm happy. I rarely do it. I did it when I saw Spider Man because I was with my little cousin, and he was getting one, and I was like, screw it, I'm doing it. And then actually, when I was at the Godfather, I was. I just had gotten a Diet Coke, but they don't watch the things all that much. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to get a little. I just like filled like a fourth of my cup with a little slushy. It was a great call. Mm -hmm. Great call. Great call on the field. (laughs) All right, Jan. Time to turn up the heat. It's quick fire questions time. Woo! Let's do it. Number one. Is Ben Simmons missing the Nets game in Philly? A bad sign? A nothing sign? What, What do you take from that? I guess he could play. I don't think he's going to. But let's just say he's he's doesn't play. I think it's a. I think it's what I don't know if it's not. I wouldn't say it's a good sign. But what I'll say is it's the smart move because I think for someone, you know, I don't really know what's going on with Ben Simmons. How much it was to do with you know his fit in Philly and but but he is approaching this and 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 we are being told that it's a mental health thing and if if it is a mental health thing for the most part then it's not going to help his mental health to to play in philly they're gonna they're gonna be ruthless so it just doesn't make sense for him to play and have a terrible game and lose because the nets just aren't at full strength anyway um and and then what? What does that do for his confidence? It doesn't do anything. So I don't. I it's probably not a good sign, but I think it's the right move. Yeah, I I I, I tend to agree with you there. I, I just think I, I get the argument of people being like, "Oh, you just do it and get the bandaid ripped off." But I would only say that if he had like ten games under his belt with the Nets already. But since it's so early in the Nets, his time with the Nets, like he said, like he. He's going to be fighting other things anyway. Just, just avoid it for now. I like it. If him missing this game ends up you losing to Philly in the playoffs, then so be it. That I, I highly doubt it's going to be the sole reason. So yeah, I, I agree with you, man. Uh, Saquon Barkley, will he be in New York next year? Ugh, I. The Giants don't even want to get rid of Daniel Jones, so I'm going to say yes, because that just makes me feel like if they're holding on to Daniel Jones, why would they let go of Saquon Barkley? Even though I think it would be smart of them to to get something out of Saquon this year, where there's still an opportunity for us to be like, oh, look how great he could be, because he's going to get injured once again, and and like after that, his trade value is going to just be nothing, so... I think it would be smart for the Giants to make a move with Saquon Barkley, but I don't think the Giants are a smart franchise. So uh, I think that he's going to be in New York still. I think that's that's a fair bet. (laughs) The Giants aren't a smart franchise. Uh, That is an astute observation. Thank you. (laughs) All right, Yannick. True or false, Pochettino will be the next manager for Manchester United, and Zinedine Zidane will take over for Paris Saint-Germain. Ooh. Ooh. So both of them have to happen. Um, and you can tell me if you think one will, the other won't. Yeah. yeah, no, but I like considering either one happens or neither happens. I, yeah. I, I, think, I think, yeah, I'm going to say yes. I feel like Pochettino, you know, is the kind of, 
person that Manchester United would hire. Not exactly the perfect fit, but like a good enough to like appease the fans fit. Uh, and I think that uh, Zinedine Zidane, if he was going to come out of his coaching hiatus, I think that it would be to coach Messi and Neymar. And and I also think that his relationship with Mbappe might keep him in uh, PSG for, for a little longer than we would expect. So I think that would be a prudent move on Paris's part as well. Uh, so yeah, I will say true. True on that one. Congratulations. Pochettino is your new coach. Eh, I'll take it. <laughs> not, not horribly upset about it. Uh, but just quick bonus question: Is it if Zidane goes in and wins Champions League with PSG? Where do we start ranking this guy in the all-time player? Just soccer. The guy's done everything, mm. and, and obviously the Real teams he had were were extremely stacked. He still won three champ. We've seen a lot of stacked teams not win three straight Champions Leagues, uh, and and then as a player, obviously won Champions Leagues, won the World Cup, won the year. Like, is he one of the greatest? Like, top, where where is he? Like, because I don't think he's ever discussed in like the Pele, and I think he almost has to be soon, right? Right. I mean, if it's an interesting discussion, right? Because the greatest player of all time is not the same as greatest soccer influence of all time where you take all of that into account and i think if he went to psg and won here's let me just lay this out the greatest soccer influence in 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 my eyes a man who won the world cup as a player coached a team to win the world cup won champions leagues won european titles there's one person um who's done that and it's franz beckenbauer from germany so I think that there's not really another person who has had so much success both on the field and and in the coach's box. And I think that if Zidane did do that with two separate teams, especially in an era where it's harder to do that, I think we can agree um, because just the level of play has gotten so much better. Uh, I think that you have to put him up there. And I think if we're comparing player careers, Zidane has the far superior to Beckenbauer. So then I do think that there is there is a there is an argument to be had that he is one of the best soccer influences the sport has seen. Um, and yeah, I would love to have that conversation. It's really interesting. It is because I, it's like soccer. I think more so than any sport, do you see guys reach the top? Maybe not just top, but like really, really good as a player and really, really good as a man. Like the Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, like Larry Bird tried to be a coach. He was never that good of a coach. Like a, a lot of times those top guys in other sports, it doesn't transfer where you do see a good amount of guys, even if it's not, you know, world, world class, good, like success at one level and world class at the other. And and it's it's an interesting thing. And then, yeah, when you like just talk about accolades, because, yeah, like Cruyff, a guy who, who – uh, impact of the game both on and off the pitch. But like you say, like nobody's got the sort of accolades that that Breckenbauer's has and and Zidane could somewhat uh, get close to. So we shall see. It'll be fun to see everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this week. It's been a blast to talk. Uh, It marches here and I'm, I'm just so pumped. I got so much college basketball, just energy flowing through me. Hawkeyes tip off and less than three hours. I'm ready to beat. I need some Michigan revenge. Uh, we are thinking of you, Ukraine, uh, and everybody there, everybody that's being impacted by all this absolute nonsense uh, being done. Uh, I, I do have to say one of the things I, I've seen really cool, I, I've gotten to to meet and work with several Russian people uh, in my time in the city, and it has been so cool. Like They've been, I think, probably the loudest supporters of Ukraine and the support to Ukraine than, than anybody. Um, and I think that's an important thing a lot of times to to be able to separate the people from the the leaders. Um, Vladimir Putin is like uh, he's a dictator and and does not represent the Russian people as a whole. If anything, they they probably dislike him more than 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 us. Um, and, and it's just it's been cool to see uh, the amount of support and and stuff that they've been giving to the Ukrainian people. Yeah, I agree, and I think that. Sports is, has always provided a platform for this across the world, and I'm glad that's, that you've seen so many teams and organizations and federations showing their support, especially the international ones. And I'm very, very excited by the swiftness of the measures that have been done by FIFA, by UEFA, by the Champions League. Like, all of these organizations have had a very 
successful and swift response uh, to what's happening. And it's exactly the right response, right? You're not allowed to play in a, in a, in a team, in, in a game of sportsmanship when you are going out there and trying to take another a country's sovereignty. So I think it's the right move. And of course, never be synonymous, never, never say that the people are the leaders because we've seen over history that that is not the case. Um, so I, I think you're right. It's just, it's really, really sad. And, and our thoughts are out with everybody that are fighting the conflict, but the response that we've seen not only from the Ukrainian people, um, but in the sports world, at least from the people surrounding the Ukrainian people has been, has been great. And I'm, and I'm very bolstered by right, that. Lots, time. lots of, lots of Ukrainian athletes, you know, coming back. Vladimir and, Kriyanko! And got, you know, I, I'm not saying, but like, as soon as everything started happening, and, I, and I'm certainly not trying to say that what the Ukrainian people are going through isn't tough, but it seemed like a lot of people in America sleeping on Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These are tough people. Yeah. They, you ever tried to- they are not going to be like this. So I understand it's very easy to oh, they're going to not. They're not going to make this easy for one one second, and and like you said, it's been a, a, a nice response sports wise, and and it will be interesting, honestly, just taking the the political and all that stuff out of it. Um, sport wise, we, we will have to talk and, and and watch what happens with Chelsea. Um, I didn't think there was any chance he would sell. I kind of still don't think he will. I, I think guys that rich usually find a way out of something um, and, and are able to keep it. But it'll be an interesting uh, thing to watch um, and see if he's he's made to sell because that's that would be such a huge uh, sale, just sports team wise. Um, you know, yeah, you're talking about a massive club in in London. So interesting to see. Yeah, it'll be interesting and to see what happens with World Cup qualification. Obviously, they laid down the mandates and stuff about Russia being disqualified, but depending on what happens in the run-up to it, what the playoffs, there's a lot of stuff that's going to come out, and uh, and it'll be interesting to see how that affects not only the conflict that is happening, but the ramifications of the conflict. So, yeah, I agree. It's going to be interesting to see. It will be. Like we said, too, we, we, we are thinking with you, Ukraine. We're with you. Everybody, thank you guys for listening. Cheers, y'all.